we are on uh, our second recording here in one day um, and thrilled that uh, a young man was able to jump in with us after uh, getting his kids to bed and getting his priorities straight. Um, and then whatever uh, extra time he does have, he's being with us. A uh, gentleman who has worked hard, um, kept his head down, just a super classy guy, a guy who I've known through the basketball community for a while, literally have never heard one person um, you know, speak a bad word about him. Always can always catch him with a smile and some positive energy. Um, from UBC to Swaziland to Toronto to all over the place. Um, we are so excited to have Jama Malalela on with us today. How'd I do? You are very good. Really well done. That's the biggest challenge for anyone is is getting past the name. So that you nailed it. So well done. <laughs> <laughs> how are you, my man? It's been a long time since I've heard your voice. Um, how is life? How have you and your family been during this wild time of COVID and just trying to survive? And um, what's life like for you these days, my man? Yeah, no, no. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And good to sort of connect with you too and, and sort of get my thing back to my West Coast days and, and the fun I had at UBC and all the wonderful connections out there. So so good to be brought back to that time. Um, and yeah, I, I think that all of us are, are really trying to figure out what life is about these days. And and it's different for everyone. And, and we all have different realities. Um, I have two young kids, as you mentioned, they're fine. They're, hopefully, they're going to stay asleep this whole podcast. We'll see. Um, but they're five and three. And, uh, and, you know, and I think they're, they're, they're trying to figure out life in a bit of a new scenario. Um, my daughter just went back to school, which is which is good. We had to debate if we're going to do it, and we chose to. Um, but I really, you know, I really sort of took this time to to spend t- to spend time with them. And it sounds so simple, but I think it's important because in the industry I work in, and you know, and all of us in, in basketball, like like often you don't get dedicated days, you know, day after day after day to just be with your kids and you know, tuck them in and, and brush their teeth and do all the day-to-day things. So it's been it's been an actual a real joy. Uh, it's been a lot of fun and, and we've stayed safe uh, and we've made the most of it. You know, I think that's 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 one of the things and, and we'll speak about this later, but it's got to make the most of the scenario you're in. And I think I've tried to do that during COVID. Cool. And uh, how's your daughter? She enjoyed being back to school and being with her peers and friends and stuff? She did. So she's senior kindergarten. So she kind of went last year. So she had a taste of it. She thankfully got to go back to the same teacher. So it was pretty comfortable. Um, and she does think that she really likes school, you know, like, you know, dropping her off in the mornings, no problem. She likes going in. She's excited about it. She's probably sick of mom and dad, too, because we were, you know, bothering her with trying to do our own school teaching and stuff. But uh, so I think she likes being with some peers and being back in school. And, and you know, I think for for our our uh, our sanity as well, it's nice to have a little bit of a break from from what was you know a bit of a, a haul. I think those parents that are doing it with two and three kids, it's 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 no joke to have them around all the time. That's a blessing, but it's also a work to it. So she's enjoying it, which is nice. Good, that's good to hear. Yeah, I know. Speaking from a teaching perspective, I was kind of wondering what it would be like, and um, it's just so nice to have the kids in the halls again and just feel their energy. You know, masks or no masks or whatever, just to be in that environment. I think as teachers, like. I know her teacher is probably really thrilled. I know she's maybe nervous or whatever, but, you know, we get into this business because we enjoy the connection with the kids. And so I think it's just feels some level of back to reality, you know, so it's that's good. I'm glad to hear and glad to hear you guys are safe and well. And, um, you know, what wild times. Hey, who would have thought we'd ever be going through something like this in our lives? No, it's it's it really is crazy. I think no one could call this one, uh, and I think no one could plan for this one either. So you really are adapting day by day. And I think the interesting part for me too is it goes through these phases, right? And I think you know as we're recording this now, you know cases are starting to go up again. 
you know, at least in Ontario and, and we're, you know, people are starting to figure out what is that, what anxieties does that bring and, and what, you know, worries does that bring? And it's a really up and down roller coaster. And I think, I think we got to stay together as you really and truly the only way through it. Well said right on. Well, you, uh, you're not the first person associated with the Toronto Raptors that we've had on. We did have the legend Johnny Lee. So, um, you got some big shoes to fill. I saw him today and I told him, I said, oh, I said, I'm in trouble, man. I'm trying to do one of these podcasts and, and you, you, you rocked yours. So I'd, I'd listen to his to know what I should say. So he's, he's the man. He's such a great person. Uh, you know, I think for me, getting to know him and, and obviously the West Coast connections, but, but being in Raptor land with him and just seeing his energy and, and, you know, how committed he is to these, to these players. And this guy's like the strength coach of the year, I don't know, two or three times in a row or something crazy. Like he's good at what he does and he's a better person. So uh, I'm in good company if I'm with Johnny Lee. Yeah, fair enough. There you go. Love it. All right. Well, you know, let's just jump into it, man. Tell us about a, a young you. What was life like for you and where you grew up and, you know, when sports started to come into your life? Um, were you like every other Canadian kid that knew how to skate and play hockey or was ball, basketball your thing? I don't know how to skate. I think I'm one of the only people in Canada. Um, but uh, what was sport? And for you at a young age, and how did it start to develop? Yeah, it, it's it's interesting to think back on those early years, and and I think a bit of context to to who I am, and I think it's always important to to paint this picture because it allows you to to get the clearest picture of me. And and you know, I have I have two parents that are very different. Uh, you know, my father is, is from Swaziland, um, uh, black, um, you know, Swazi uh, African man. And then my mother is white Canadian, I don't know, third, fourth generation, whatever the heck it is now, you know, from Scottish ancestry and, and uh, living in Winnipeg. And, and it's sort of these two different worlds collided in, you know, in their relationship. And, and then I was a result of that. And I think I was born in Swaziland. So my, my younger years were, were spent there. Um, and, and as my parents sort of tried to navigate their relationship and all the, the trials and tribulations that come with cultures kind of coming together and people from different nations trying to figure it out, um, you know, they ended up separating. And I came, I came to Canada as a very young child, probably three or four, I think at the time, and began my sort of Canadian upbringing, uh, but always with this sense of Swaziland and this, this, this other home and this other reality that was always part of me. And in those earliest years, you know, I think that, that sport was a real sort of space for me to, to grow. And yeah, I remember one of my, my best fondest memories and people you know always ask me as a coach when did you start playing basketball you know and I think for me I remember very vividly um going to Jesse Ketchum which is a local sort of you know um school here and uh, they had a mini tournament and we were playing and I was shooting the ball from like really deep but because it was a middle school they didn't have a three-point line on the court uh and I remember the the tournament official saying well should we give them two points or three points for that like that was a three-pointer you know it was pretty far back um and I think that that for me those, those early formative years and the way that sport um, gave you a sense of your own identity was really important for me. And I think that's, you know, when I started to fall in love with basketball and obviously it's been a journey since then. Cool. And it has been a journey. And this is like, you are literally the epitome of a hoops journey, man. So it's going to be great to chop it up with your story. Um, so then, you know, high school years, what is that like? Do you have a crew, a crew of guys that love hoops? Are you the only guy in the neighborhood that's playing? How does that work? And um, what were those those years like for you, you know, as, as a basketball player and, and someone in high school trying to just figure their way? Yeah, so I, so I did my – I actually went back to Swaziland for my, my uh, junior high school, so like grade – No way. Exactly, grade seven and eight. Yeah, so I went back. And, and again, this, this whole time I went back and forth uh, between, the two, between the two countries. And I think that – so I did grade seven and eight in Swaziland. 
uh, where basketball is not very, you know, prevalent and like, you know, you got to really struggle to find a hoop and, and, uh, and get a ball that bounces and kind of really figure the thing out. Um, I went to a really nice school, a private school, and sort of, we had a facility that we could use. And, and so I kind of, I, I honed my craft a little bit there, but, but not in the Canadian context. Like I played a little differently. Um, and I didn't realize that until I got to high school. And I remember I went to Oka Collegiate, which is, you know, a real basketball powerhouse. It was at the time. It continues to be. Um, and I got there in grade nine as a sort of long, gangly kid. And, and, and I played differently than the other guys who were also the ball players because I had these two years in Swaziland where the game was just different. Like I just, I don't know, it just felt different. My, the, the, my pace was different, sort of all worked differently. Um, and I think that worked to my advantage early on, right? Because I, I sort of, I had this, this difference. Um, and I think that helped me, you know, through grade nine, and grade 10. And, and, and then I sort of built this brotherhood of, of guys that I journeyed through high school with. And when you're in a competitive environment from, from right early on, you know, you're, you're trying to move from the, back then it was the Bantam team to the junior team to the senior team. And you're trying to win because there's a tradition that your school wins and, and you're, you're, you want to be part of that. You want to be part of this legacy that of this institution that you're going to. And we've had a heck of a lot of good basketball players come through from Greg Francis to Emil Kamaka to, you know, you name it, um, you know, had been part of the Oakwood legacy. And I think for me, I wanted to continue that on. Uh, and, and I think what I learned was that it wasn't so, it became not about when you're there, it became about winning. Right. And I think that's what you thought about. But but after and ever since, it's been much more about who I was there with and who my teammates were. Uh, and that's all the stories we always share, because I think they're real. The people and I think hopefully through this podcast, we can people can start to hear that. For me, people are the most important part of this thing. And the relationships you have with them, especially the ones I formed in high school, uh, were really important and formed an organization that actually you know started after that, which we can talk about, too, in Concrete Hoops Basketball. But that was a bunch of high school friends doing something together because they love the same, love, uh, love basketball together. Cool. Yeah. And I think um, it took me a long time to drop the competitive edge and then be more aware of those things and the connections that were around me. I mean, when you're in the locker room and you spend time in the locker room, you're just naturally into it. Right. But I think it's a conscious thing. And now upon reflection, like now being a coach, you just start to realize that really is about people and it is about relationships. Right. And that's where the powerful stuff happens. And I just love love what you're saying and and uh what were your teams like were you good i mean you said you were a powerhouse but like yeah we were on, okay we weren't, don't yeah, no, yeah, no no it's not the time to just you know let us have let us have it what were you like were you nice or what we were okay we you know it's funny we never got we didn't win off so which is like you know the ontario championship but we got close um a few times and we had eastern was in our midst right so they were sort of the other powerhouse in the city at the same time and jamal mcglore who i work with now all the time with the raps like you know we, we there was definitely battles between our schools um jarvis collegiate was pretty good at the point um so we we were we kind of got we got to city finals all the time uh we never won offsa um you know it's like i did it but it that's also that listen that's gonna be part of the story too like like what is success defined by and i think mm -hmm. there's like a huge conversation around like did you win the championship okay that's that's one thing yes or no but but mm -hmm. were you successful and i can definitely say that my high school experience was a successful one because there was a there was like so many other things that at least i chose to do during high school from like mm -hmm. student council to playing in the band to like, you know, you name it, I was doing it. And I think that formed this basis for like me, the person, not just me, the basketball entity. Yeah. And you carried that on through your whole life. There's no question about that. At least, you know, the, what I remember from the UBC years and then seeing what you're doing now. So that's, that's cool just to look for that. Cause you're right. Like when sport ends, not all of us are going to move on to play even post-secondary. It's like, who are you after that? And what did you get from all those experiences? Right. No, that's what it's about. I think like, you know, the, the learning sport teaches us these lessons 
And like, yeah, like we lost in, like we lost in my, uh, I remember, like I'll remember it, my, my, my senior year and you play your last game in high school and it's this crazy pivotal moment and we lost before we were supposed to, but how, what do you do with that? How, how do you, how do you figure that out? You know, like, I didn't want to take my jersey off. I remember that vividly, you know, I wanted yeah. to keep the thing on, like I wanted another game, but yeah. life doesn't give you that all the time. And yet I had to figure yeah. out what to do. Yeah. Powerful stuff, man. And then when did you, when did you think that post-secondary basketball was going to be an option for you or something that you wanted to pursue? Were you starting to get recruited a little bit or was it something that you kind of had to push for yourself? Yeah, it's a sort of a funny story about that one. So we were at, at Jarvis Collegiate actually in a tournament and, um, you know, I was playing and, and, and there'd been, been not really any real recruitment at that point. I, I had sort of envisioned myself as I'm going to be a D1 star and, uh, you know, and that's how life is going to go. And, and, but there'd been no recruitment at this point. I think it was my second last year of high school, like my, my fourth year, we had five years at the time. And, um, and so there hadn't really been anything and I'm playing in this tournament and my aunt, you know, came to watch the game and, and, and she tells me the story after that she arrived, I don't know, it's five minutes late. And because it was a tournament, she didn't know who the home team was or the guest team was because everyone's, you know, their uniform color didn't matter. So she looked someone, you know, who looked to be watching the game pretty intently uh, ahead of her and said, Hey, which, which team is winning, which is the home team. And they said, Oh, Oakwood, they're the home team. They're winning by five or whatever it was. And, um, and then she said, well, by, by any chance, have you been watching number 12? How, how's he playing? And, uh, and the guy kind of looks back and said, oh, I've been watching the whole time. He's, been, he's actually playing really great. And uh, it's this funny moment. And it ends up being Bruce Enns, uh, UBC coach, who's coming to recruit. Um, and this is the game he's come to watch out. And he ends up sitting beside my aunt. And they kind of talk the entire game. And, and basically, my, my story was told to him before he even got to meet me uh, through a family member. Uh, and then post-game, he goes down to the locker room to talk to legendary coach Terry Thompson. Uh, who was who was my coach at the time, and said, "Hey, coach, you know I really like your game. You know, congratulations, well done. Uh, there, there, there's there's one guy on, on your team that, that I'm really interested in. I, you know, I'm from UBC. I, I think he'd, he'd really fit in well with what we do." And uh, and Coach Thompson looks at him and says, "Well, I think there's only one that's going to make it into your school. So I hope it's the same person." <laughs> and then it happened to be. So so it was pretty good. <laughs> that's amazing, man. And and one of the things that we Corbin and you know the producer and myself have listened and learned through this podcast too is like how many things in life are about timing too, right? Like what a moment right there like happens to be your aunt in the crowd and then learns all about, you know, Bruce learns all about you. That's that's wild. So funny. Yeah, it was crazy. Like it and I think, you know, and and, and listen, like he he so that was the first kind of recruiting thing that I had. And I, and I think there, there is something to like the first person that recruits you, there, there's a certain sort of strength to that. And I know that really stayed with me. And then moving forward, like there's some other Ontario schools that, that I was interested in. And, and, and the U S thing was, was not looking good. You know, there was like maybe some random schools here or there, but it just, they just didn't fit who I was or what I wanted to do academically. And I, I quickly kind of decided hey, I'm, I'm not doing the U S thing, you know, I'm going to stay in Canada. And, and, and then I had to choose between, you know, ultimately it was like U of T uh, and stay home and, and, you know, being recruited there and, and Western and the Queens and, you know, and then UBC were kind of my, my final choices. Uh, and then I actually remember I did a, a recruiting trip and Bruce brought me out and uh, Steve McGilligan, a, a name from the past in, in the UBC basketball world, sort of meets me at the airport and, uh, and takes me and he took me kind of around the, the, the I guess the other side. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going around Point Grey there and, and looking and we're driving up and I'm seeing the ocean. I'm seeing the the mountains. I'm like, man, I'm coming here. No question. Haven't even touched campus, but like, I'm coming to this place. Um, and it was sort of a fun, you know, it was a good recruiting trip because they, they got me before I even got to campus. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> That's great, man. So you got to play for Bruce for how many years? Just one. So I played Just in his one. very last right. year. 
yeah, yeah. was the first year with him, and then I moved on to Kev after that. So yeah. it was uh, it was one year with Bruce and four with with Kev. Yeah, and and did you always know, you know, post secondary wise, what, what you wanted to do academically? Did were you, you know, or were you like, I kind of have an idea, or and I'll figure it out while I'm there, or like, because obviously academics were important to you as well. So yeah, no, choosing which school to go to was definitely a, a combination of the basketball program and the academic program having to mm-hmm. to, to match it. Uh, and at that point, like like so in high school. As I said, I was sort of, you know, a, an achiever, I guess, in, in multiple different ways or whatever, I guess. Like I was, you know, I tried to do a lot of different things. And and because of that, and because I had a, a very positive high school experience, I think I wanted to replicate that for other people. And so I wanted to be a teacher. And, mm-hmm. and so like teaching was this passion for me. And and that's what I wanted to do. And I love people. And and I kind of had a bit of a, you know, I enjoyed teaching stuff, you know, to them and, and um, enjoyed learning. And so that became what I wanted to do academically. So I went to UBC and did like a, you know, human kinetics degree with a, with a, you know, specialist in physical education. And I was going to be the gym teacher. And I, you know, ultimately I was going to go back and, you know, teach my old high school and coach basketball and, and, uh, and teach kids. And and it was going to be awesome. And that was sort of my plan going into UBC. Hmm. Yeah. Sounds familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Just didn't end up in my high school, but yeah. Um, and then, uh, Talk about like your playing days. How was it? What, you know, what, what were the experiences like? You know, you guys won a Can West title, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, made the Nats, had some good years, right? You got to be kind of the start of Kev. You know, when he's trying to get the program going, you know, in his direction and building his culture. So it must have been kind of a unique experience, and you got to play with a ton of great guys and players during that time too. Yeah, I mean, it starts with with the difficulty of Bruce choosing to leave. Yeah. Um, and what that meant for me as a young athlete and sort of he, him being the person that recruited me to Vancouver where I knew like nobody, like not one single person. Yeah. Um, and so suddenly he's gone. And so I'm like, what is like, are you serious? Like, what, what am I, like, what am I going to do here? Yeah. You know? And, and I think that, that's a, that for, listen, but and I think for me as a coach now, that feeling I had when I found the day that I found out he was leaving, like I've, I, I keep that with me all the time because mm-hmm. I think like the role that a coach has and the role that he had in my life at that point was, was major. And I, I mean, I was, de- I was devastated when he was leaving, like absolutely devastated. And I had no clue what my future was going to hold. Like, yeah, I'm upset for him or I'm hoping he's okay. But I'm at the same time, like, what about me? And I think, I think that in many ways, like that I've kept that as a lesson for how I interact with my players now and, and how the, the human part of your players is really important and always keeping that, um, you know, at the, at the forefront. So that, I mean, that, that sort of started my university career. Uh, and, and with Bruce, and I'll be honest, like, listen, I was playing a lot with him and he, he sort of, I was, I was his guy and he was playing me lots of minutes and I saw a real, you know, forward path and I was going to have a great university career. You know, that's how I was yeah. envisioning it. Um, we had some cool players on that team. Courtney Cola was awesome. Ben Sandsburn, like we had some guys, Sherland John, like there were some, yeah. there were some greats on that team. Um, and it was, and it was fun to play. Um, and then Kev came in and, and I wasn't really his guy. Like he sort of inherited me from, from a past regime and, and, uh, and he was bringing in his own people and trying to make things work his way, which I also completely understand being a coach now. Um, but at the same time, I think that left me on the periphery a little bit and, and I had to sort of really f- struggle and, and figure out, well, how do I move forward in this? And, and how, you know, is this situation right for me now or not? Um, and that was a real dilemma and a real hardship, probably in my years two and three, where it, you know, I wasn't playing a ton and I, and I didn't know if I should stay or not. Uh, and that was hard. That was really, really hard. And then, and how did you end up like 
sticking it out and, and thinking, okay, I don't want to transfer. Like what were the factors in that? And how did you get to that decision that that's, you know, you wanted to stay with UBC? Yeah, no. And I, and it's, it was a big debate. I think, I think there's part of me that like, you know, like, you know, wanted to start or want to finish what I started. Um, and, and almost a stubbornness around that. Um, but also in, in those three years, I built again, back to people. I built a lot of great relationships with a lot of people outside of basketball because basketball is not always going to carry you, you know, and like my, from my roommates to like other people in, in my age king classes to like just general people around the school, like even in other sports, like I started to really build my own community. Uh, and it, it was worth staying for that, you know, and it was worth the challenge of like trying to make the basketball part work. Cause I still believed in myself and I still believed that I could play at this level. And so with, with those things sort of combining, um, I remember, I think it was after my third year, I can't quite remember, but I remember Kev called me in and, and sort of said, you know, like, it's, you're a wonderful person. It's great having you, but uh, you know, I'm not sure if, if this works for you and I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't have a dedicated spot for you next year. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, Whoa, okay. And, uh, and so I spent that summer like working like crazy. And I, I mean, I, I did everything I could, right. I just, I, I, I that really pushed me that changed the way I worked. It, it really did. Like I just, I worked so much harder that summer than I ever worked prior because I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm going to play on this team. Like, you know, I played here three years. I'm going to play here in my next year. Um, and by that point, we started to get better players on the team, so it was more competitive. Um, but I remember we came in, and uh, the UBC Gates run for all the UBC guys. I remember that run. Uh, you start at war, and you got to run out to the gates and back. And uh, and like that was, I mean, I guess I was, a, I was I, running was something I could always do. But 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 uh, I remember I was in such good shape, like I just demol- like I just killed it, you know. And like I came into that training camp with like just there, there was no way that he was going to be able to cut me. And he couldn't. And I remember he brought me in at the end of camp and said, you, I, I can't cut you. You're, just, you're playing too well. You're working too hard. And that was sort of a really nice sort of personal component for me um, and sort of justified the work, obviously, of that summer. And, and that carried into our last two years, which I thought were really successful uh, in terms of our play. And again, not that my minutes ever soared up to tons of minutes or tons of points or any of those things, but but my leadership really built and and we got a pretty good program and I was a pretty solid part of that and and a really proud. And, and again, really, really um enjoy my UBC time. I got one Pasha story if you want to hear it, but, but overall it was a really good one. Absolutely. We're all both stories on this man. Yeah. <laughs> so Pasha hates this story. Pasha Baines that is. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but it was, uh, and I always tell it probably, I probably embellish it a little bit. So he always gets mad at me, but, um, so in my senior year, uh, so myself, Pat McKay, and I think we might've been the only seniors. And, um, and so we're playing at SFU, uh, and the winner goes on to the Canada West championship. And so we're playing the game, um, and uh, and obviously Pasha's such a talent, man. Like the guy was so good, and you know he was just he was killing the whole country that year, and he was you know MVP of everything, leading scorer, all that good stuff. And uh, and again, I wasn't playing a ton, right? Here's this backstory where I don't I don't play a ton, and but defense was sort of something I sort of you know worked at and, and spent some time on, and was really committed to it, and and uh, and so Kev put me in uh, basically to guard Pasha. And we weren't quite boxing one. We weren't quite Nick Nurse boxing one on him. But but we were sort of, you know, we were sort of, I was I was sticking to him a little bit like glue and, and making his life difficult. And I think, yeah, I, he was probably averaging, I don't know, 28, 29 points that season. And, and, and we definitely, you know, I think we stuck him under under 10 or maybe low teens. Um, and uh, and I played a ton that game because and literally he would sub in and I'd sub in and he'd sub out and I'd sub out. And it was one of those sorts of things. And uh, we end up winning and, you know, win at SFU in a pretty hostile environment and, 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 and claim our, our spot at the Canada West Championship. Uh, and it was just this really fun sort of moment for me as a senior and some vindication for for, a re- for five years of, of hardship, to be honest. Like it was it was a hard stretch, you mm-hmm. know, but but I worked my way through it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And uh, and so we get to we get to Canada West, and and then and then this fun story that I sometimes tell to kids when I'm when I'm giving them talks, uh, and I'll do the shorter version uh, on this one is so we get to Canada West, and uh, and we play the game, and it's at war, and like the people are going crazy, and there's lots of fans that aren't maybe normally at our games, right? Because it's sort of a bigger game, playoff game, it's a beer garden, so I'm sure a lot of people came for that, and uh, and we finish the game, we win, we win the Canada West Championship. And uh, as is always the case, you know, the, when, when you win a big championship, the, the team captain comes up to receive the trophy. And so we're sort of lined up there across, across the free throw line. And, uh, and they say, would the team captain of the UBC Thunderbirds please come to receive the Canada West trophy? And, and at this point, I think a lot of people in the audience like really had a weird moment. Like, what the heck is going on here? Uh, because this guy in his warm-up uh, walks out to get the trophy. And like I had not played one minute in that game. Yeah. And yet there I was going to get the trophy and like, it's just, it was just like, what is sport really about? And to me, this is, it's this fun moment of like figuring out sport because it wasn't about the minutes I played in that game. Mm-hmm. It definitely was the minutes in the previous game, but it was more about my contribution over the whole season mm-hmm. and being a leader on the team uh, and sort of, you know, like having my guys back and, and fighting like crazy for all my guys, right. For Carlo and for, for Casey Archibald and like for the dudes that I played with, like that's was my fight. And, uh, and I think a lot of people were really shocked to see me go and get that Canada West Championship trophy. But it's a pretty cool moment. Yeah. Yeah. You're stealing our content, man. That's what I was going to bring up was, you know, being the team captain. And um, like that, that's an amazing story. And, you know, especially when you're dealing with younger people where kind of the role of the captain, it, it's not even, you know, on the floor at the high school level doesn't really exist. They don't talk to the refs anymore before the game. They're not allowed to go and talk to them, you know, about a call. Right. So it's more of a internal kind of leadership that we're looking for when we choose our captains. And was when you were there and you were chosen as captain, was that a, was that a team vote or was that a coaching staff vote or was it a combination? I, I, I don't know a hundred percent for sure. Yeah. I think it was a combination. You know, yeah. I think Kev probably definitely had some, some input in it, but yeah. I, I think I remember doing a bit of a bit of a vote too. And the players having input too. So, you know, I was team captain, I think my last two years and like, it was mm-hmm. pretty, uh, it was, it was cool that they would think that. And it was cool that, that the coaching staff would think that mm-hmm. about me and sort of put me in that situation. And you're right. I think a lot more is not uh, a lot of captaincy now is not kind of what you do visually like in front of the crowd you know like and you know talk to the referees that sort of stuff much more is the behind the scenes and sort of the day-to-day you know through practices and through in the locker room and all that kind of stuff and, and it was it was definitely an honor to be able to serve that role yeah and i think it's cool that especially with where you are now um which we'll get into eventually but just all these experiences you've been able to form and grow and develop that you're you're going to be using in your adult life as your career right like it's it's good stuff, man. And I think it's cool that, uh, you know, no coincidence that you guys had such a strong knit group of guys that you won the title that year for Canada West, because when you have kind of that, like you have a captain like yourself who doesn't play a minute in the game, I think it says a lot about what that locker room was like, right. And what they thought of you. So that's, that's pretty dope stuff, man. Thanks for sharing that. Definitely. Yeah. And then, um, so UBC, like the, you know, playing wraps up, and uh, what's the next move for you? Like, what you, you you finish your education degree, I assume, and and you start to think about where life is going to take you, and and now the journey starts to get real wild, right? You thought it was wild before um, being on Point Grey campus, then it just is like one thing after the next for you. Yeah, without question, it's um, it was a real. It was interesting. So, so I, you know, I think by my second year, I realized I wasn't going to play pro. 
Yeah. You know, and I think you're always, you know, I think for all of us that play, like you're, you're always thinking at some point, you're, oh, I'm going to finish university and go play pro somewhere. Ah, somewhere in Europe, I'll go play somewhere in Europe. It's sort of like Europe's a really big place, but I'll play somewhere in Europe. <laughs> um, and I think by my second year, I realized that like, that's probably not going to happen. Like, I'm just, I'm not good enough. Like, it's just, I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not. And, and by that point, I didn't really want to do it either. Like, mm-hmm. like, I think I'd sort of moved on from from playing basketball, but yet it was a sport that I loved so much, right? And and so I kind of um, had to determine what I wanted to do next and, and where I was going. And so I'd finished. So actually in my fifth year, like I, I did like Thunderbird Athletic Council, which is like our, our, our like, you know, our, all of our athletes like form a sort of like a committee or whatever. So I was yep. doing that for a few years. So, so a bit of a political or at least sort of an organizational sort of framework to some of the things I was doing. Mm-hmm. And, and in that role, some people approached me and said, hey, well, why don't you run for student government at UBC? Um, you know, going into what would have been my sixth year. Uh, so finish your playing days and then, you know, come on back for your, do your education at, at, at UBC, your education year at UBC and, uh, and run for student government. And like, you know, be, I can't remember what the title was. I have no clue. Um, <laughs> but I was like, oh, sure, let's try that. That'd be fun. You know, like people, I love people. Um, and I end up in this, in this hotly contested, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, contest, uh, nothing like, uh, Trump and, and Biden. I'll, I'll give you that much, but, but, but a heck of a political fight, um, with this actually woman who I, who I really liked and, and was, was really awesome. And she was way better than me. Uh, and she ends up winning by like 10 votes, uh, which I think was one of the smallest margins or something they'd ever had at the, at that time. Um, and it was like one of those pivotal moments in life where if I had won that election, I probably would have stayed at UBC, um, and probably would have done my education and listen, to be honest, might've been there still, right? Because I loved UBC and I love Vancouver and, and that would have kind of changed the trajectory of my life. Uh, but I lost by those 10 votes and, and in losing, I said, well, what am I going to do now? I kind of had a plan to maybe do this. And I said, well, you know, let me go back home. Let me go back to Swaziland at least for like a year. I kind of took a year off and, and just, just tried to figure life out a little bit, um, and decide what exactly was going to be next for me. Um, and so I took a year and I went back to Swaziland and, and, uh, and reconnected with, with people that I'd you know, known as in my younger years and, and my father was still living there and, and my mother was actually there at that time and, and, and kind of reconnected in that part of the world. And I think that became this really cool, again, formative time in my life where I think I just gained so much perspective on the world, you know, and I think I'd lived in this Canadian bubble and, and, and the world of privilege. And, and I think going back home really was important for me mm-hmm. uh, and really sort of gave me some, some good thoughts for what was next in my life and what I wanted to do. Uh, and teaching continues to be this passion. And I think that, you know, I started volunteering at the school that I used to uh, teach at or, or attend and, you know, helped out with their different, you know, programs and helped out with their gym classes. And, and yeah, I just teaching was, was in my blood. You know, I just, I, I was, I wanted to get as many reps as I could. Um, and so I spent a lot of time volunteer teaching in that, in that off year. Um, and, and, and in so doing, applied to U of T uh, to go to their teacher's college program um, at OISE. Uh, and said, you know, I'm gonna go back to Toronto and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my teacher's college and, and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of take it from there. So that, that was sort of like the, the transition directly out of university was to, was to, to get into my teaching program at U of T. Um, and, and then, you know, in, in doing that, and I'll, I'll go backward just for a second, cause it'll give context to this because yeah. again, people is this major theme. So one of the things that, that I haven't really talked about is concrete hoops basketball. Mm-hmm. So it touches all these things I've talked about. And it, it started in high school with five friends uh, who all had a passion for basketball. And we all want to make some money doing basketball camps because we played the game so much. We're like, let's get some actual money ourselves. So we're like, let's run this cool basketball camp. And we ran like our first week and it was like, you know, 14 kids. And I think we made like $14 each. It was like, and like work for 900 hours. It was like, you know, just like, uh, it was crazy. 
Um, but we enjoyed it and we said, oh, let's try this again next summer. And by next summer, we had I don't know, 50 kids and maybe made 50 bucks. Um, but the program continued to grow. And so for 10 years, we ran this thing called Concrete Hoops. Um, and, and it became a program that actually ended up having international sort of uh, ties where we'd actually go back to Swaziland each year uh, and we'd run camps there. So during my UBC days and in the summer times, I'd go back to Swaziland and run these camps. And then we and we end up with a cool connection in Brazil and we go to Rio and run these camps. And like we just we go in Kenya and run these camps and run camps in Toronto. And like it just became this pretty cool, like like nonprofit, really grassroots, really like low key, but but some pretty cool sort of like programming behind it. It was sort of a right to play, like, you know, with without anything. <laughs> it was just like this basic program. Um, and for 10 years I ran that. And but that got me connected back to Swaziland and that sort of, um, to me, sort of formed this, this, this balance for me of like, how do I teach and how do I educate and, and getting rep after rep after rep of doing it, which I thought was, was pretty important now for my, my current career. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so, I, so we finished Concrete Hoops um, and, and, and one of these people from high school, his name's Ben, Ben Cates, for, for the basketball people who know him well, um, nice. whose father is Mike Cates, Bumbo. Um, who national team coach and Humber coach and, you know, one of the best coaches in our country, you know, bar yeah. none. Um, and he's at U of T uh, and I know his son because we've been doing this stuff together for years and years. And he figures out I'm going to be going to U of T to do my teacher's degree. And he said, well, come join me on my staff. And that sort of was this first connection to actually coaching, um, uh, you know, legit. Um, and so I joined him and I think we spent three, maybe even four years on his staff as an assistant. Uh, and that was just such a great learning curve for me. And I just was able to do so much and start my, my development as in terms of, you know, player development was sort of my, obviously is my, my, my strong suit. Uh, mm-hmm. and it carried through there, but, but really started to figure out the in-game stuff and, and the, the recruiting and the management, the, the whole thing. So that was sort of how I got into coaching proper. But again, it started with people and started with high school and started with these relationships. Good Lad Clothing is the most unique shopping experience in the Lower Mainland. The owner, Shane Meyer, has worked hard to create a personal experience, offering clothing, specialized coffee, haircuts, and beard trims. Located in Lower Lonsdale at 221 West Esplanade in North Vancouver, seconds from the C-Bus. If you are unable to make it to the store, you can shop online at shopthefoldgroup.com. And oh yeah, in-store, if you mention a hoops journey, you'll receive 15% off anything store-wide. We want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Parkside Brewery. Located in the heart of Port Moody on Brewers Row, Parkside offers an amazing atmosphere with one of the best summer patios around. If you can't make it to the brewery located at 2731 Murray Street, then hit any government retail store and try the Don Pilsner, the Dusk Pale Ale, or my favorite, the Dreamboat Hazy IPA. A Hoops Journey promises that the beer at Parkside is much, much, much better than the owner, Sam Payne's Streaky Jump Shot. We hope to see you Parkside. Yeah. And, you know, we always try to talk about is, you know, when you just treat people well and don't burn bridges, you never know when you're going to kind of need someone, you know what I mean? And and it works out that one of the guys that's been your partner for so long and your boy, his dad happens to be, like you say, one of the best coaches in Canadian history, right? Like, and um, 
how how was it so you you know you called it proper coaching but, but like did you feel overwhelmed at all when you sat there or was it just a natural progression that you felt like yeah this is exactly where i'm supposed to be when you were sitting on that bench or in practice like talk about that and how that felt for you yeah i think i think i've had a lot of pinch me moments in my life where like yeah. oh what, you mean like you hired me to be really like to be an assistant coach here like <laughs> i don't know about that like and so definitely like pinching like i'd pinch myself like oh my gosh like this is incredible like wow you know and i think i think i went into it with energy Mm-hmm. Uh, I went into it with passion. I went into it with sort of a really open mind. Um, and I went into it knowing that I didn't know everything, you know, and like mm-hmm. I wanted to learn. Um, and thankfully, I had a really great mentor in Mike who, who who was able to teach me a lot. And I was able to watch him, you know, do his craft that he'd perfected over year after year. You know, and I think, you know, that, that's helped form my current coaching identity. So so it wasn't, uh, it was, it was a... It, I approached it with energy, which is kind of how I think I, a lot of a lot of things in this life, or a lot of things subsequent to that. I've, that's how I've approached it, and you know, and it's been it's been going since then. Cool. And based on what your resume tells us, like you weren't just coaching there and doing school. Like you were. This is when am I, am I wrong that you were involved with some Raptor stuff and uh, Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment and doing community development at this time as well, or is that later on? Yeah, so so I finished my first year yeah. um, at uh, at U of T as a student, you know, and get my teacher degree. Yeah. Um, and in that year, I'd sort of been been helping a little bit with the Raptors. And, and, and again, that goes back to, to the early days. So in high school, I volunteered with the Raptors. People always ask, how do you how did you get involved with the Raptors? Mm-hmm. And there's this super long, elaborate story of of I literally started mixing Gatorade at this program called Raptor Ball, you know, way back when. Actually, at Jarvis Collegiate of all places, the same place that Bruce <laughs> N saw me play for the first time. So Jim's right? uh, a lot of memories there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I literally, you know, sweeping the floor uh, and mixing the Gatorade. Um, and that became sort of like my first entry point into Raptorland, uh, and it and it sort of grew from there. And, and actually, in the summers of, of UBC, along with doing Concord Hoops, I would also work this program called the Jam Van, which is like this gigantic purple truck that would drive all around Ontario. And we'd have these ridiculous drives, and we'd do like I don't know ninety five appearances a summer, oh. uh, and we did everything. It was like birthday parties to like gigantic <laughs> street festivals to basketball camps. Like it, it was like this wild program. Um, but it was just trying to get, you know, the Raptors name and brand out there. And, and there was a kind of a street team, almost the three or four of us. And every day we just journey somewhere and we just, and again, like, like, like the Malcolm Gladwell stuff about like 10,000 hours and how do you figure what works or what doesn't work? Like, well, shoot, I got my hours doing that, you know, like, yeah. you know, 12 hours set up at the, the taste of the Danforth in the middle of Toronto under the heat, you know, teaching kids how to do layups was like, okay, I'm, I've learned how I'm learning how to, to teach layups, you know, like, um, so that's how I started with the Raptors is really doing the community stuff. Um, and then, and then that second year coming out of U of T, um, so I graduate. Um, you know, I, I, and this is where we go back to the earlier story and you'll, you'll reflect on this. Uh, at this point there was no teaching jobs. So I get my teacher degree, I get my, you know, my training. I was a trained, you know, phys ed and history, uh, to teach in high school. I'm ready to go, but like, there's never any jobs. Right. Yeah. And, and they're just, they weren't there. Yeah. Um, and they kept saying, oh, don't that... worry, everyone's going to retire. Everyone's going to retire. Like, exactly. Job. And then you're like, there's literally no jobs. <laughs> Exactly. No, that never happened. I remember I heard the exact same thing for years and it never yeah. happened. Um, but, but so somehow, and I don't know how I was, you know, thankful, lucky, uh, like a, a multitude of different things. I actually, I did my practicum at Oakwood, my old high school. 
uh, and the principal liked me and I helped with basketball and I, you know, I guess that whatever they saw something and they had some movement in their, in their sort of staff situation. And they actually were going to offer me a job to teach history and phys ed at my old high school. So like this dream job that I'd always wanted was suddenly there when I thought there was never, ever a chance that I even get a job, let alone like the dream job teaching your teachables, like, you know, at the school you want to teach at. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like this, like, are you kidding me moment? Like, you know, again, p- pinch myself, like no way. Um, and literally within like a few days of that, um, there was an opening with the Toronto Raptors for a full-time sort of coordinator position, um, doing community and I'd be running the jam band and it'd be sort of running all of our camps and our programming and, and our community stuff. Um, and they both kind of came available at the same time. It must've been August or so, or even earlier, I guess, earlier in the summer. And so I'm at this dilemma of like, what do I do? Like, do I, do I teach, which is what I've trained for, what I've done in school, what I've been, you know, dreaming and thinking about for so many years. And the, the opportunity is actually there in front of me. Uh, or do I take this sort of super entry level, like who knows where it goes, nothing connected to the actual Raptors. Like it's like this, you know, you're in the, the, the community business sort of side of everything. Do I take that job? Um, and lots of sort of pondering and thinking and, you know, it's funny. I, I think I actually, I think the re the, what actually got me to make my decision at the end of the day was to say that, and this is funny to think of now, but like that, that, uh, kids will always be there in schools. So I can always go back to teaching, but <laughs> this thing with the Raptors might never come up again, you know, which is like, you know, I don't know if that was right, right or wrong or who knows, you know, but, yeah. but that's anyway, how I made my decision. And, and that's when I really decided to move with the Raptors. And, and I think, you know, my career has really, really, you know, taken off since then. Yeah. That's, and that's unless the pandemic hits, right? And there's no kids in the school. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Then we have no kids in the building. But, <laughs> uh, but that's actually a great perspective because when you think about it, yeah, like kids always and, you know, taking advantage of those opportunities that come up, right? Like everyone that we've talked to has taken some big risk um, that most of us probably would have walked away from. Um, but a lot of people that have been on the show have just stuck their neck out at some point and taken a chance and it sometimes has worked out and sometimes not. Right. And, and I think it's important for people to hear that it's okay to take that risk, even if it doesn't work out, cause you're still going to learn and grow from it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And then just talk, talk about how your role develops and grows. Um, you've done so many cool things within the Raptors organization. It will get to like your coaching now, but, um, how does it go with the people that you're meeting? How many notes are you taking on a daily basis? Is it a whirlwind? Are you doing one thing? Like, I'm starting to realize just how many behind the scenes happen in, you know, NBA franchises and all the people that are involved to make a product work, you know, and it's kind of kind of mind blowing for people that aren't part of it every single day. Yeah, it's a huge, I mean, like, so Maple Leaf Sports is like this huge company. And I think I think yeah. you lose track of that unless you're working there. And, and at that point, it was actually smaller. Um, you know, this is, I don't know, what is it now? 15, 20 years ago or something crazy like that. Like it was, wow. it was smaller. Um, and, and it was, but yet it was still big at that point for a sports organization. Cause we had the Leafs and us, and you know, we were trying to figure things out. And so my job was one of these jobs that had like literally zero to do with the team, <laughs> like zero. Um, but I had all, everything to do with the community. So like it was sort of, how do we, how do we build, you know, the Raptor brand and get kids playing and you know, all that kind of stuff. And so, so the first few years of me doing that job was like, it was, it was, it was a dream come true. Again, it was a pin, it was another pinch me moment. Like, <laughs> like you, I'm working for the Raptors. Are you serious? Like, this is incredible. I don't get to see them or talk to them or be anywhere near them, but like, <laughs> this is so cool. Like, you know, I'm, it was, it was, I got to go into, you know, Air Canada Center every day. And like, it was just, this was really sort of, 
uh, again, this dream job for this kid from, you know, who played at UBC and now is coming back and, and doing this. Um, and every day I learned, right. And every day I sort of just built more capacity. And I was coaching at U of T kind of simultaneously now at this point. Um, so I'm sort of in the days I'm, I'm working at the Raptors or, or the community anyway. And in the evenings and weekends, I'm, I'm coaching U of T. So I'm sort of developing my basketball sort of like, uh, you know, like, like in, in NBA circles, I say, you know, are you a basketball guy or not? You know, sort of the, the, the which is probably not a fair way to say it and probably is not accurate to, in today's context anymore, anyways. But but at that point, it was much more like, are you a basketball guy or not? And so these these hours I was doing in in the U of T gym were sort of giving me this basketball cred, right? Well, he's a basketball guy. Um, and so like three years into it, um, and so one of the things that I, I would do is these the appearances. So like you know, a player appearance or a coach appearance. So like Sam Mitchell, for example, uh, like so I, br I brought Sam to Vancouver multiple times to do like the three on three tournament way back in the day, mm -hmm. um, you know, or, or took him to Edmonton or, or whatever. And he was the head coach of the, at that time. And so, you know, you, you sort of meet him at the airport, you, you get him to the hotel, you take him to the appearance when he's got to be there, you take him for dinner, like you're sort of, you're sort of, you know, managing him or making sure he gets where he's supposed to be and that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, and it was just this fun process of, of getting to know him. And I think because I had this basketball pedigree developing behind me he could see me as a basketball person yeah. um so sam really really took me under his wing and, and, and really treated me as a son um and 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 he would start to sort of just spend time with me he enjoyed the appearances because he got to hang out with me and i, I enjoyed it because i got to hang out with him obviously you know nba head coach like are you kidding me like this is unbelievable yeah. um and and so that formed the, a starting point for me crossing over uh from sort of the community and business side onto the basketball side. Um, but it was a slow process. And, and, and I think my journey has always been a slow process. And it's taking literally each step, you know, slowly, 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 because I don't think you're really given anything. I really don't, you're really not, especially if you're trying to get into the NBA at the highest level. Like it, it's, it's, it's a work process, especially for so many Canadians. Um, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a daily sort of like growing process. And so with Sam, um, you know, he, he, like, I remember one time, you know, part of the, my job expanded where I could actually go on road trips to host other people. Right. So like we're bringing a community person on the road trip, I would go on this road trip. So I'd get to go to Washington um, and go on the team plane. But my job is to manage sort of the, the corporate folks who are coming along. Um, and I remember Sam went that we got off the plane. He says, Hey, you come for dinner with me. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm going for dinner with you. Like you got a game tomorrow. Like you're the head coach. Like, what do you mean? I'm coming for dinner with you like this. Uh, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, you're coming. And so we go and I expect there'd be maybe his coaching staff or there'd be tons of people or what, and it's just him. Mm. Uh, and, and we had a really interesting talk and, and he sort of talked about head coaching is actually a really lonely thing sometimes. And at that point in my life, I, I couldn't understand that. Like he's, you know, he's famous. There's people talking to him all the time. Like how in the world could you possibly be lonely? You know, like this doesn't make any sense. Um, and he had this connection with me as a sort of outsider who wasn't part of his regular everyday basketball wins and losses, the pressure of it all. And just a young kid with energy and a smile. And he's, you know, he wants to hang out with me. It was refreshing for um, him probably, so we, right? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. I honestly think it was, you know, yeah. um, so we go for dinners and I, you know, I tell him about U of T basketball and he just doesn't really care about it, but he just likes hearing about me talk. And like, you know, like <laughs> it was these fun moments. Like it was, it was just, and, and I think we built a relationship and then he started bringing me to practices. Um, and, you know, I start to get to know the players a bit more and I get to know more front office people. And, and, and then because I was coaching U of T, like I have this credit as credibility as a basketball guy, so I can get on the floor and I can rebound a little bit. Um, and then I can pass a little bit and then I can say, Oh, can you, you know, run this drill? 
drill and come off the screen and do this. Oh yeah, I can do that too. And you sort of like your playing days and your coaching days start to start to, to pay off. Um, and your teaching days of hours, you know, teaching the jam band and like, you know, like starts to pay off where you can actually start working with some of these athletes in a very small context to start with. Um, but that was sort of how I crossed over. Right. And I think the crossover is a really hard one, you know, and like, you know, I know you had Jay on your show and Jay's part of that, that crossover for me too. And he sort of brought me fully crossed over, but, yeah. but, um, it's, it's, that's how it, that's how it happened. Yeah. That's crazy again, but relationships and, you know, like if Sam sees you and thinks you're kind of a knucklehead or, you know, maybe doesn't respect how you carry yourself, that there's no way that relationship happens. Do you know what I mean? And just like carrying yourself the right way and working hard and being humble and, and, and you're not like trying to do anything to impress him. You're just being you, which you, which you've done mm -hmm. your entire life and he sees something there. So it's just funny how, and like you said, it's just so interesting, like the grind that it is to get, you know, into the NBA and to stay and to kind of work up. Right. And, you know, you can tell, you can hear the energy in your voice, but you're also your ability to know that, okay, Jama, like, wasn't one step at a time, right? Like, you know, I'm sure there's probably times you wanted to jump into more and more, but knowing that it's a process and it's going to take time and you have to put the work in, right? Absolutely. No, that was, that's, that's been my journey without question. Yeah. And then just talk about like, um, what exactly does the director of player development do? You know, you, is there something that happens in between that role or, you know, I mean, there's probably 3,000, there's 3,000 things that probably happen in between there, but. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. No, the, the, the big, you know, the big one, the big one is that, is that, you know, so, so Jay Triano gets at the head coaching job and I built my relationship with him over time too. And, and he sort of is talking about, Hey, well maybe, you know, you'll move over you know, permanently onto the basketball side of things a little bit, or, you know, like I, I see this for you and this is a possibility. And again, like, are you like, are you, you want me to be on an NBA, like <laughs> anywhere near an NBA team, like on a regular everyday basis, like pinch myself again, like there's yeah. no way. Um, <laughs> but he's sort of talking about it and we're, we're navigating it and sort of doing these things. And, and, and simultaneous to this, again, these connections back to Africa. So, so basketball.borders, uh, who all of us, most of us know, you know, have heard of the program at least um, is obviously is a major passion for me, you know, passion project for me because of my time in Swaziland and, and concrete hoops. And, and it's sort of like, it's sort of, con it's sort of concrete hoops on steroids, right? Like it's yeah. like, you know, with tons of media and tons of personalities and like this big major gigantic program. Yeah. And so Masai uh, in his earliest, in his first stint with the Raptors uh, is like the director of this program. And he goes all the time. And, and I've got to know Masai now because of Sam and because of Jay. And, uh, and, and I'm like, well, can I do basketball at borders? And he's sort of like, uh, yeah, I, sh I guess, sure. I, I don't like, yeah, okay. Like, but he's not, you know, he's not really like fully onto it, but he's not saying no either. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm basically planning a trip home anyway to, to go see my family in Swaziland. So I'm like, okay, well, like, so I can kind of do it. And he's kind of like, yeah. And like, I think there was like some random email I sent with someone in the NBA and we kind of like, I sort of got an approval to do it, but there wasn't a ton more than that. Um, and I just made my way to Swaziland, like, and I, then I went to Johannesburg, where the where the program was, and I land in Joburg, um, and you know I'm expecting something to be a little bit organized, but there's kind of nothing really. Like, I, I there's like a random sort of shuttle bus that takes you to where the, all the kids are staying, so not even where all the NBA, not where Masai is staying, not where the other coaches are staying, not where the NBA personalities are staying, like where the campers are staying. <laughs> and I get there, and and I'm, there's no key for me. I'm like, kind of like stuck outside, and I'm like, what am I doing? Well, what is going on here? My phone hasn't clicked in for reception yet because I got a Canadian SIM card, and it's just like I'm like, what is like this is gonna be crazy. 
finally I get into a room and I kind of just sleep there. I'm not sure if it's my bed or not. I'm supposed to be sleeping there and I have no clue. Um, don't know what the timing for anything. Wake up in the morning. I hear a bus sort of like, you know, kind of pulling in and kids sort of, I'm like, oh, let me just get on the bus. <laughs> Might as well get on, get on the bus. Uh, it takes us to the gym. Now I finally see Masai for the first time and, you know, see some of the other NBA people and, oh, hi, I'm Jamma. And, you know, we kind of make at least the, the introductions in person. Um, and that, that was the first year that they decided to run a women's program as part of Basketball at Borders. But they hadn't fully sort of, you know, built it out yet because it was their first time doing it. So they didn't really have like, you know, coaches to really do it. Um, you know, on the, on the men's side at that point, you know, you had, you had every NBA co head coach in the world was running this thing and, you know, all the talent in the world and Chris Bosh and Dirk Nowitzki and like everyone's there. Uh, Dwight Howard, I think, was that that first year too. Like, I mean, there's this this crazy ensemble of of people, mm -hmm. but the women's program because it had just started and it was sort of like halftime thing. They didn't really have it built out, so I'm watching it. Sort of, I'm like, oh man, like it's not really going. Really, they're not really going. You know, like it sort of was low energy and it wasn't really popping. And and I know they wanted it to be big and wanted it to be impressive. Um, and I just asked one of the, one of the, the Brooks Meek, who's one of the, the people who runs tons of programming now across the NBA, and I sort of say, hey, can I just can I help out there? And I uh, said, yeah. And I sort of jump in and, and now these hours in the jam van, these hours of, of community coaching, these hours of sort of working with youth, like suddenly are like on full display. And it's like bang, 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 energy, energy, clap, 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 here we go. Like and kids are in line, they're running, they're jogging, they're high fiving, they're doing layups, they're you know, doing interactive games, and everyone's like, Whoa, what's going on over there? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that was a sort of really cool moment where where some MBA staff People saw me at work and saw me doing what I do with with energy and passion and loving on people, uh, and then they sort of say, "Well, listen, we we have a job here for the NBA. Um, it's in Asia. Uh, it's in Hong Kong. Are you interested?" And this is like simultaneous with Jay saying, "Hey, I'm, we have, might have something with you with the Raptors." So like I'm in this big dilemma now again, like almost like I was with with the high school with uh, you know, do I teach or do I join the Raptors? It's like now do I go work for the NBA? Amazing opportunity, you know, or do I maybe get something with Jay, kind of sort of in the basketball world, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and this is kind of what you alluded to earlier, one of those risk decisions. Like you know, do you take the risk or not? Like I'm pretty established in Toronto. I've, I'm I'm set up well. I'm sort of in that world. This NBA thing, I have no clue about it. It's in Hong Kong. Like I know. I mean, I knew no one in Vancouver. I know nobody in Hong Kong. Like, you know, like, you know, what am I going to do? Like, you know, you know, and, 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 and it ultimately came down to like, to, to wanting to take the opportunity and wanting to take the challenge. And so I ended up taking this job. It's director of basketball operations for NBA Asia. Uh, they moved me to Hong Kong and I spent two years uh, there and, and like, I'm in Vietnam, I'm in Korea. I mean, you, you name it, I'm there um, <clears throat> running basketball. It was like this really cool time in my life. Um, and I got to meet other people from other NBA teams. And that's been like a really cool part of it now. Uh, and I never would have had that chance if I hadn't, you know, if I hadn't sort of taken it. That's wild, man. And were you the lead on that, Hong Kong? So there's an office there. There's probably, at that point, there were probably 15 people in the office. Okay. And I was the basketball lead. So I was yeah. director of basketball operations. Anything basketball was me. Uh, we had probably an events person. We had like a business head and like an overall leader, someone in media is a small office. Yeah. But basketball was, I mean, it, I ran it, you know, like it was, it, and it, it was fun. Like it was, it was, it was junior MBA. And it was like, you know, like these things I'd sort of done already sort of, but in, only in a North American context. Mm -hmm. And they become very different when you do them in an in Asian and international context. Mm -hmm. uh, translators for everything, uh, you know, just <clears throat> just a different way to, to operate. Yeah, that's wild, man. Good for you. This is dope. Um, and then so f you do that for two years, you mentioned. Is, mm -hmm. Was that was that a, the contract was two or? 
It was sort of two, uh, you know, life, life is, is occurring at, at simultaneously as your job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I actually, I actually got married, uh, while in Hong Kong, oh um, God, <laughs> which is, which is, which I think when I think on it now is like this wild thing. Yeah. Um, you know, so my fiance at the time, you know, was from Toronto. Um, she's a teacher as well. Um, and, uh, and so when we made this decision or when, when we kind of, I made the decision, we made a decision to, for me to accept this job in Hong Kong. It's, it, it meant what came with that was also her coming, uh, mm-hmm. to Hong Kong also. So, so she came as well. And, and amazingly as a teacher, she, had, she ended up getting the job at like a, a Canadian kind of international school sort of thing. And, mm-hmm. and so it was kind of working out well, but, but at the same time, it was diff- very different and very hard and, and very challenging in many ways for, you know, a young married couple um there and uh and and her like many you know all of her families in toronto and, and it's just it was difficult mm-hmm. so we did the two years and we decided let's come back yeah um so came back and i, and I came back without a job uh sort of re- you know to, to sit in to, to walk into um and sort of came back and said well let's just figure out the next step you know <laughs> i've been i've been figuring it out this whole way let's just figure this next phase out yeah um so come back from from asia and by this point um brian colangelo uh, is our general manager with the Raptors. Right. Um, and again, I'd known him through before I'd left and with Jay and with Sam and kind of the connections. And I kind of had a bit of a connection with him before I'd left for Hong Kong. Um, and he kind of finds out I'm back in town and, and says, Oh, wow. Like, Oh, that's, that's, that's great. You know, he said, we're, we're, we're hiring a new, new head coach. Um, and, uh, and we need like a player development person. And, and when I, in this context, I mean, player development off the court. Mm-hmm. So we need someone to help manage the players' lives, um, help them, you know, transition to Canada, help them to, with their families, help them get their visas, help them figure out where to go for dinner at night. Um, you know, and so, so I meet with Brian, uh, he introduced me to the new coach is Dwayne Casey. Um, and Dwayne obviously has to sign off on this because there's a ton of relationship with the player stuff and he needs to, you know, make sure it's someone he approves of, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and end up having sort of a good sort of session or meeting with him. And, and he ends up saying, yeah, I know this, this could work. Uh, and so, you know, I don't know, six months after sort of leaving Hong Kong, um, I had a new job. Um, and this was sort of now back with the Raptors in the front office and doing player development. So, so that was sort of the, 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 the trick or the, or the, the magic trick again, pinch me moment again to get back into it. Yeah. And what a, what an interesting role. Like the, the there must've been like such a difference between some of the younger dudes and the vets and their needs and wants. Hey, Oh man, it was so crazy. Like dealing with the rookies is one thing, yeah. but then like dealing with like, like, I don't know, I think I'm trying to think of good examples at that point. Like Linus Claza was like, come on LK. Like he didn't want to hear from me. He didn't want any help with anything like, yeah. you know, but helping a young guy like, you know, uh, Quincy AC at the time, I don't know, Terrence Ross or any of these guys. Like yeah. it was a different, it was, it, it was, I, I learned about people and you know, I learned about players. Yeah. I learned that each of them really and truly is different. Like I knew that before, right? but they're really different. And mm-hmm. when you get to know their families and you get to know what makes them tick and what their motivations are and what their challenges are, which mm-hmm. I got to do, you know, intimately, that mm-hmm. that like helps inform how you can care for them and, and, and love on them and help them in, in really great ways. Yeah, that's cool. And I think also that's like the essence of coaching, right, is like, you know, the worst coaches that, that I had were the ones that treated everybody the same. And the best ones were the ones that tried to get to know me a little bit and, and worked around our our own unique personalities within the team setting. Right. And uh Again, you, opportunity for you to take more mental notes, you know? Yeah, it definitely was that time. You no, know, it really yeah. was. You know, and to, and to, and like I think in the NBA too, you know, like you have to, the players have to, they almost have to vouch for you, you know, yeah. in a way to sort of get credit from them or to sort of, and because they, they're moving around different teams all the time and you yeah. can, you know, your reputation kind of moves through the league pretty quickly. Right. Uh, and I think that, 
that was a good starting point for me to build, a, you know, a, just a solid relationship base with them. Um, you know, a group of guys. Yeah. That's, Jay talked about that, right? How, uh, when he was starting to get another opportunity with the Raptors again, um, you know, phone call went to Anthony Davis, right? And, you know, Anthony basically said, oh, I'd hire him in, in, in a second, right? Or Antonio Davis, sorry. Yeah, no, the, yeah. Right? yeah Antonio, just, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, the players he, are a big part of it. Yeah, which is interesting because you, you think of this Canadian basketball world and how it's quite small, but then, like you say, and like even the NBA, you know, word travels, reputations, and, you know, all that stuff, you know? So that's interesting stuff, man. Um, and then w- what was it like working with Dwayne Casey? He seems like such a good dude, and, you know, your role starts to flourish, and, you you know, you're moving forward and getting a little more involved. You start to get to the bench, and you know, again, pinch me moments. Right. And, uh, yeah, more and more cool things happening for you. Yeah. I think that, I think the biggest one in my life, you know, you know, was, was after that first year. Um, and we, we'd had a mediocre season, like it wasn't, you know, we weren't great. And, 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 um, there was sort of changes were coming. We, everyone kind of knew it. And I think, you know, case was secure in his job, but there's going to be changes to the staff and new players are going to come in and, you know, we're going to try and refigure it out and, and move on to this next phase. And, and uh, the program was building, but it, you know, it was sort of in, it was, I mean, to be honest, it was the beginnings of what we're seeing now, right. It was the beginnings of this sort of now sort of juggernaut of basketball that the Raptors are where they can, you know, pound through seasons and, and, and get dubs pretty easily. Now, not easily, but like can, can do it now. Whereas before we, they couldn't do it, right. you know? And I think that was a starting point, the foundation of, of, of some of these things that are, that are occurring now. Um, and, and so, so case finishes that year and sort of is trying to figure out, you know, what kind of staff he wants next year. And, and actually calls me to the office cause he wants to get my opinions and sort of like, see if I know anybody here. I've, I've heard through the you know coaching grapevine who might be available. And, and, uh, he kind of goes through this stuff about like, you know, man, like next year we got to have coaches that are just like super committed to the players and, you know, are going to bring tons of energy and, and just, you know, really passionate about what they do. And, and he's kind of listing these, listing these sort of criteria and these things he's looking for. He literally kind of just thing on the table, like the, <laughs> well, I'm not, no, I'm, 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 I'm just listening. Like, I'm like, you know, I'm just listening. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm racking my brain. Like, who do I know like this? Like, you know, like uh, anyone in Chicago that I know, anyone, you know, like I'm, I'm trying to help them, mm-hmm. um, for it to be an NBA assistant coach. Like, you know, I'm not think I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And then he stops and he sort of says, well, ho- hold on a second. And he kind of looks and I think he's double checking in his own mind. He's like, well, w- would you be interested? And I mean, I mean, like, are you like, just that's the ultimate pinch me moment. Like now he's offering me to be on his coaching staff proper, right. To be an MBA assistant coach. Um, it was unbelievable, you know, yeah. unbelievable to, to have that sort of moment. Um, and I tried to play it as cool as I could, I but it, you know, I'm going crazy inside. Cool and, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe, I mean, possibly, you know, I'm like, I'm like going crazy inside. Um, and it was this really fun sort of, time you know and i think you know i obviously chose to take the position and and uh, i did three years uh, behind the bench with him um and then two years on the front of the bench with him so five years in total with 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 coach casey um you know and nick nick nurse was was with us on that journey as well and you know rex claiming and a bunch of other great coaches and, and a bunch of other great players and you know we sort of slowly just kind of you know, ticked our way along in terms of uh, steady improvements each year and, and the win count going up and, and our, you know, our, our success going up as, a, as an organization and just more, some more stable, I think, is, is sort of what, what was being developed there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so five years of, of really learning my craft and of, of, of just incredible, do you know what, like just incredible um, joy of coaching mm-hmm. and, and, and working with athletes 
and and just just living sort of a, a reality going back to my earliest days of listen I, I love people and I want to be an educator educator I wanted to teach and and I get to do that you know I get to teach and I get to educate and I get to to to, to inform people's futures um, exactly what I wanted to do just in a, in a very different context than I originally thought it was going to be unreal man and at what point do you find yourself like where you just you step into that coaching role with Coach Casey and and do you are you more listening and kind of just waiting to be told? It, I've always just wondered, like, because it seems like obviously there's some respectful boundaries we want to keep. And, you know, these are busy people and we don't want to get in their way. It's like, are you just doing your little role and waiting? Or is there a moment where you start to feel like, hey, I can kind of verbally contribute a little bit too? I'm just just totally curious about what that was like behind the scenes a bit, if you don't mind. No, no, it's a, it's a very good question. And I think like it's it was a process, you know, much like you know, step by step, sort of that thing I was talking about earlier. Like I think in first year, I probably I don't know said ten words in the coaches' meetings. You know, like you're yeah. sort of you're behind the bench assistant, you're a development guy, you're just kind of literally, you know, you're listening and and hearing what they want, and then trying to execute it with as much energy and you know focus as you can to the players when you get on the floor with them. <clears throat> you know, and I think you know in year two it's sort of a little bit more, and then three, four, and you know by the time I was in the front of the bench in my fourth and fifth years in that sort of cycle, you know, you're definitely contributing more at that point and, and talking more and, and giving your opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, Rex Glaming, you know, a coach who I really uh, appreciate and, and, and learned a lot from, you know, says, you know, as an assistant coach, all you have is your opinion. <laughs> and it's sort of like a fun statement of like, and you sometimes you got to give it, you know, like, yeah. I think we should guard it this way or I think we, we should play this player or, you know, the decisions of basketball, like you got to have an opinion on it. Um, and so by my, my fourth and fifth years, I think I had more opinion, you know, than I, than I definitely did when I first started. Yeah, absolutely. Um, got any, uh, crazy stories or like a wild game that sticks out in your mind over those years or a, a cool moment or something that you can think of? I'm sure it's probably a huge blur right now. I can't, when you say five years, I'm sure you're like, wow, where did that time go? Yeah, I think, I think, I think the first time we got to the playoffs and, and, um, and playing Brooklyn, um, was it Brooklyn? Yeah, I must have been Brooklyn. Um, and it went seven. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, the, the, to bookend it, I think, you know, when that game from game one first started, um, and like, it, it was so incredibly deafening. Like it was so loud. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it was just, it was so loud. Like it was unbelievable. I think the Brooklyn players were like, what is happening? And Paul Pierce and those guys are like, are you kidding? Or whoever it was that was like, are you kidding me right now? Like yeah. it was loud. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I think, I think, I think Toronto and Canada was waiting, been waiting for a long time, for, you know, for a playoff game. Yeah. Uh, and, and I just remember the pride that I had and, and sort of this joy of like, we're here, you know, like all this work and all this time and, and, you know, and, and we're here, like we, we got to the playoffs, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think, you know, game seven and we get to game seven and, and there's that craziness of, you know, Kyle just the shot got tipped and he, we couldn't score and, you know, we end up going home. But, but I think maybe two plays before that, uh, Darren Williams or one of those guys on the free throw line and uh enemy was just as loud like definitely loud like you just couldn't even hear yourself think you know as he's shooting the second free throw um and I think those two moments you know within that game or within that series I should say um really stand out and sort of like again like look around and you realize how passionate the fans are cheering how much it means to people and that I'm part of it you know and I'm yeah. coaching and I'm trying to you know help us get a win in this situation was, was a real sort of um eye-opening moment for me in terms of the the uh the scale at which i was now coaching yeah. right i think 
Because because I guess to answer your earlier question, when you're in it day to day, you're just doing it day to day. Right. You're just coaching. You, you mm-hmm. go to work and you coach the players and you figure out your game plan and you do your X's and O's and you you know you get your work in and you're just co- you're, you're just coaching. Like it's not it's not as glamorous or as this, this incredible thing. But like in that moment, you look around, you're like, holy geez, this is really big. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was sort of a fun a fun a fun part of it for me. And for you too, like. Uh... A Canadian guy and a Toronto guy, like you know what I mean. You mm-hmm. spent a good chunk of your life, you know, in that city, and that you know, in such a cool way to you know sit back and process that, but also be like, oh, I got a job to do. Yeah, but uh, yeah, exactly. And then we all know what yeah, Masai, gotta... Masai started with his uh, his opinion on Brooklyn there as well, which is awesome. So no question, yeah. <laughs> no question. Yeah, it was that was a fun time. That was definitely that was definitely good times for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think so that so that carried itself forward. So I did the five years mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, as 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 coaches are unfortunately, you know, hired to be fired mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and, and case gets let go. And I'm at this moment again of like, well, what's next? And, and you know, what happens? And are we all going to be fired? And what are we doing? And, you know, where's the team going? And, and you're sort of left with some, you know, unsureness of, of what your career is going to look like. Um and, you know, and I think, you know, Masai to his credit and, and then obviously with Nick taking over and Nick getting the head coaching job, you know, it's sort of some, some, a bit of normalcy came, came back to it. And, and in our conversations, um, you know, Nick has always challenged me to, to be a better coach, um, you know, even during those five years, like, you know, regularly. And I think one of the ways that he always thinks about that is to be a head coach. And I think, you know, his story is one obviously of like, you know, head coaching in many, many different places and gaining just different experience as a head coach than you do as an assistant. Uh, and, and I think he sort of, you know, really pushed and said, listen, like, I think you can be a great coach, but you got to be a head coach first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can do that with a 905. And it's sort of this, this, this amazing sort of, again, this, this moment of like, you want me to be a head coach? Like another pinch me a moment again um, to sort of like to say, okay, I can run my own program and, and be a head coach and put all these things I've learned over all these years into a program and into, you know, understanding everything that goes into it from the business side to the basketball side, to the player side, and, and ultimately overarchingly to the people side mm-hmm. um, of this thing. And, and so that was two years ago now. Um, and it's been two years now as, as a, as a G league head coach. So it's, it's just really been this crazy journey, yeah. you know, through, through basketball. Yeah. And, um, is Nick nurse as cool as he, as he seems like, he seems like such a genuinely great human being. Yeah. Like, like, again, it's, it's, you know, you can, when you know someone just as the person, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's like, you almost laugh at sort of all the sort of, uh, fanfare and memedom and whatever all the other craziness <laughs> that people are sort of you know you like to get into like yeah. <laughs> you know it's just Nick you know it's like you know like it's you know we go we go for morning runs you know before games and like mm-hmm. you know like it's just you know but but I but the answer to the, your question is yes mm-hmm. like he's really cool you know like in terms of how he thinks about and it, to me it's it's yeah his basketball mind is incredible obviously a savant like mm-hmm. just like incredible feel for the game and sense of the game and I mean that stuff's like otherworldly. But I think the cool part for me is like he's a really cool worldly person. Like mm. just forgetting basketball, you know, like mm-hmm. just just understands the world, understands how things operate. He's traveled around. Like you can have sort of like just authentic conversation around life with him. That I think is really special and valuable. I think you know goes to to what a great leader he is. Um, you know, obviously and has been for for our program. So cool. like it's it's this it is fun that we sort of were we're sort of side by side as as sort of assistant coaches you know, in the trenches for many years. Uh, and now to see him where he is, is like this awesome, awesome thing. You've had like, think of the mentors you've had in the coaching world. Hey, like it's pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah, no, I think going back to, you know, to Mike Cates as a starting point and, yeah. and you know, and, and Bruce Eds and Kevin Hansen, you know, on that list, I think you learn from the, the coaches you play for too, Yeah, you know, so those guys, and, and then obviously, 
you know, with Mike Cates and, and then from Sam to Jay to, you know, to, to Dwayne to Nick, like it's, I mean, I've been, I've been incredibly lucky. Awesome, man. And how are you enjoying the head coaching life? I really am. Yeah. I, I really am. I think, I think it's uh, I think it's a great challenge to sort of, uh, to do it. Um, and, you know, and I think it, it, it makes you better, right? I think you, you just, you, you start to understand the game more than you did previously. Um, I remember in those early years, when I was an assistant coach, Tom Sterner was one of our, one of the other assistants. And I remember we would watch a clip together, you know, in the meeting room and we'd be going through stuff and, and he would see sort of 15 things in one clip. <laughs> and at that point as a younger coach, I would see like one thing, maybe two things. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I think now as a head coach, you're like, you know, maybe I'm up to 12 or whatever, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm seeing more just on any one single clip of, you know, one possession down the floor. Cause you're, you're, there's so many, there's so much nuance to this game. Mm-hmm. Right. I think, and I think being a head coach, you, you understand and appreciate the nuance so much more. Um, and you see the value of like what it's all about. Um, and, and it's, I mean, it's been a credible journey. Like this season got cut short for us, which is unfortunate because we, we kind of just got it rolling before the thing got cut off, mm-hmm. obviously with, uh, with COVID and, and, you know, the players are starting to really get after it and, and some young Canadian talent, you know, on my team, which is fun and Tyler Ennis and these guys and O'Shea Brissett and, and Dwayne Notice and, you know, Canadians that are really sort of getting better and, and have a chance to play, um, you know, professionally. Uh, and then for me to have Canadian coaches. Uh, that's one of the biggest things that when I got the job, I, you know, I made sure that I had Canadian coaches. Uh, you know, I've hired. I think my staff is is uh, all Canadian, save one who's probably got his his permanent residency already. You know, like it's it's like the it, opportunity is. I, again, I, I'm blessed with the opportunities I were given. I was given, and 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 I'm so thankful that that I think the least I could do is give other young Canadians similar opportunities. I coached the U15 provincial team one summer, and uh, Dwayne was on the. Uh, on that team for Ontario and he I think he already had a full beard and I think they beat us by like 55 in the final so <laughs> <laughs> sounds about right yeah, Dwayne yep I think he looked exactly like he does now I was like wow we don't have a chance at all but <laughs> yeah it was awesome um, for sure and you're still super involved with Maasai's you know Giants of Africa camps and that stuff yeah, yeah, no, that's been that's been a really great part of my journey too. You know, so I think I started. If 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 you think of the the off basketball stuff, like I started with Concrete Hoops, which is sort of this very small, you know, everyday sort of program, and, and then and then got pretty involved with basketball the borders that the NBA runs, um, and then over the last probably six or seven years, I've really sort of committed to to Messiah's Giants of Africa program, uh, and spend you know many weeks of my of my August which is not really an off month anymore in the NBA, but it used to be, but, but, you know, spending time um, in my August with, with giants of Africa and, and, you know, going back to the continent and really sort of immersing myself back in the game and, and really giving back to a lot of the young kids. Uh, and it's a pretty cool program, you know, Masai, man, he's, he's, a, he's incredible. Um, his leadership and, and, and his vision and like, you know, this program really speaks to it because it just makes a difference in these kids' lives. Like, it really does. Like, not not the cheesy, like, oh, you do basketball makes a difference. Like, it makes a difference in their lives um, and helps them and helps us. And, like, it's, it's you know, the time you spend there is is rewarding. You know, so, like, Masai tells this great story. You probably don't want me to tell it. But, but we were flying back after, like, a super long day of travel. We'd been to uh, Juba in South Sudan. And then we were in, in Mogadishu in, in uh, Somalia and... and flying back through Kenya and we were flying through Dublin to get back to Toronto. Like I'm talking, it was a crazy travel day. Um, and, uh, and we're on the plane, we're on the plane and you know, he's, this is the end of the summer. So for Masai, he's going back to the Raptors and back to sort of the start of the season and that sort of stuff. And he goes, he goes, man, 
if we can do this stuff, like I can deal with Kyle Lowry and, uh, and uh, you know, and, and uh, Kawhi Leonard, no problem, you know, just sort of this fun moment of like, you know, the, 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 the real stuff in life is, is impacting lives, you know, and yeah. the basketball part we can all figure out. Cool, man. And that's funny too, right? Just like the, uh, the moment of like, him kind of being like, yeah, I guess you can join us to like, you're literally side by side with him traveling through it. You know what I mean? And just him trusting his instincts to like, see what you got. And then you working your way to, to that is super cool, man. And as a side note, if you ever need anyone to uh, mix the Gatorade out on those, uh, those trips, you know where to find me. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I got your number. I like it. <laughs> I've uh, had the opportunity through my school, been to Peru three times, and then I actually got to go to Kenya as well one summer. And it was like the most powerful experiences I've ever had in my entire life. So um, good on you for for doing that. And because uh, it's probably not something that you have to do. It's because you enjoy it and you know it makes a difference. So that's super cool, man. Good for you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, Corbs, you have a question for Jamma before uh, we move to, uh, you know, more important questions of the podcast? Yeah, Coach, uh, thank you for coming on. Appreciate your time. Um, so, no problem. So, I th- something that like I've really fixated on, and something that kind of interests me is like how people, people's motivations, and and uh, their, you know, their like how they operate, right? So, the one story that that has kind of been going through my mind as I'm listening through your story and I'm listening through your conversation with Mitch here is that. Um, I'm always curious about, you know, when you were just volunteering for the raps and you're, you were talking about in a, in a video I just watched, uh, before we record here about like, you were really, really focused on, I'm going to be, I'm going to be making sure the floors are swept. I'm going to be making sure the, the water to Gatorade powder ratio is just perfect. Right. And, and, uh, like that's, those are easily tasks and duties that is overlooked and you could easily have half, half, half asked it. Right. And. I'm just, you know, I would want to ask you about, you know, the importance of taking care of the little things because, you know, for me, I think that translates into so many things, right? Like how, how you've treated your teammates when you were a captain at UBC to when you were going through teacher college and, and you were going, you know, when you were an off-court player coordinator and, you know, to being a dad and, you know, taking care of the little things and just paying attention to all those things are important. So just, I know that's a long winded uh, question, but if you don't mind talking about the importance of that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great question. Thanks for, thanks for asking and picking up on some of those things. Like, like there's a few, there's a few parts to my answer. Like, like one is that I, like, I, like I really believe in, in my heart and like, I, I, I hope I've tried to live this my whole life that you do the job you're currently doing as hard as you possibly can. And as well as you possibly can. And I think that that there's something just innately valuable in that. And I think when you are, are are constantly looking for the next job or looking forward to the future or looking what you might be able to do later, you don't commit to what you're currently doing. And then when you don't commit to what you're currently doing, you don't do it as well. And then you probably don't get the opportunity anyways. So so part of me is always and like that, you know, that it's fun, like, you know, mixing the Gatorade as best I possibly could. Like, like I wanted to make the best Gatorade I could. You know, and then and then when I was at, you know, running Concord Hoops, I want to be the best program it could be. And coaching the 905 right now, I want to be the best that it can be. And like, you know, like every job I've had, I, I want to do that job just to the best that I possibly can. And and so I think that's a really important part of, of who I am. Um, but but why I'm like that or how that actually sort of takes effect, it goes back to this thing of the people. Uh, and I think that that part of that is like really caring after the people that you're around and that you're with. 
you know, in whatever context it is, because whatever job you have, it doesn't matter what your job is. Uh, what matters is how you interact and, and the relationships that you have in that job and with the people around you. And so like, you know, for me and my coaching staff now, like, like, you know, caring about how they're doing is like really critically important to me. Like it really matters, like it really matters how they are doing, uh, as it matters how my players are doing, as it matters how my family is doing. Um, and, and I think that there's, I don't know, there's just something right or like, I don't know, that sustains me in that care for others, you know, and, and helps me, you know, get through the days. Great question. Even better answer. Well done. That's good stuff. I feel like we should just end the podcast there, but I don't want to. So you got 15 more minutes with us, brother? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right. Um, we've got some controversial topics to ask you and some more serious questions and a little bit of everything. Um, you, the kids are somewhere else. You're on your way to practice. Uh, what's spinning on the Spotify or the, uh, the Apple iTunes or whatever that you, what are you bumping these days? So I do, uh, I'm, I'm a podcast guy of all things, which is funny doing this one. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely sort of getting more into podcasts and sort of just, just taking it as a learning moment, right? There's so many cool podcasts out there, some basketball and some others. Um, so doing, spending time. What, what ones do you listen to? So I definitely, you know, definitely do the basketball immersion stuff. That's, that's a go-to. I always make sure I'm up to date with what's happening there. Um, there's an ESPN 30 for 31 that I really got into that sort of just tells some really cool stories in sport. Um, those are sort of my two most yeah. recent ones. Um, and then, and then music wise, uh, I, it's, you'll laugh at me, but like, like I love, I'm, I'm a music, I love musicals, uh, but especially Hamilton, you know, the, 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 the musical Hamilton is like this incredible sort of like art form. Um, so I'll, I'll like, I, Corbin, he likes it too. Corbin's clapping Yeah, man. Corbin, Corbin's a big, he's a big music guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's clapping so for So I him. do, like, I probably know every damn word in that thing. Like it's, it's, uh, and that's a long, long, long piece. Um, so yeah, I love, I love Hamilton. I love music, uh, in general. Uh, I do a lot of, I, I use music as a coach probably more than I do personally. Uh, so like during every yeah. practice I'm at, there's music. Um, and I change genres at different points in practice. Right. So if I want, if I need to up the tempo a little bit, like I'll, I'll hit some like Latin jazz and like really get it going. If I need to, uh, you know, do some, I'll, I'll throw some classical on there during end of game sets. Like I'll, uh, I really use music during practice to, to change and shift the mood of my team. Uh, and it's a major, like I get basically have a DJ, I basically hired a DJ to run my music because I'm like, oh, I want this, 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 this. Uh, and then of course I let the players, you know, mm -hmm. play a lot of their stuff too. That's cool, man. Now, do you, turn down a little bit when you do a teaching point and then get it back up or do you kind of just do you practice kind of talking over that volume as well i'm just interested from a coaching perspective. yeah i do it both ways uh, at different points in the season yeah um sometimes i think it's important yeah. to sort of you know do the you know create as much havoc and, and chaos and, and loud and you know like as you can um and then sometimes like you know that same you know I use kind of one of my back bench assistant coaches who sort of controls the music also kind of knows to sort of you know turn it down when they can we got the technology now they do it on their watches right they can just peel wherever they are on the floor and turn yeah, it down a little yeah, bit exactly. and turn it up so we've, we've kind of figured that one out a little bit okay well hamilton you you impressed one half of the podcast <laughs> with that answer <laughs> after practice you know i know you're a fit guy you still keep it in good shape you haven't let yourself go but like if you're really craving a bag of chips what are you grabbing ketchup for sure ketchup chips are where it's at Let's go. Let's go. Remember Novell Thomas? Of course. He had two different types of ketchup in his top four. He had a top four. And 
He had two. And there's two different types of ketchup. I got to call Novi and figure this out. Yeah, man. Ketchup Lay's and then ketchup Doritos. Have you had the ketchup Doritos yet? Ooh, I've done the Doritos. That actually is a good call. That's a very, I've done, yep, those are good. I think at Costco, there's a huge, gigantic bag you can get too. I've done that. They're really good. <laughs> Ovi, did you hear that? You can get them at Costco. See, he, he self-admittedly has a tough time pulling the trigger on them because he's, you know, he's a cheap Antiguan, man. He likes to watch his money. So he admits, he's like, unless it's got the pink sales ticket on it, he doesn't buy them. So yeah. like, I can't pay full price for the Doritos. I'm like, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. You know what I mean? Go to Costco, man. Get a get a big bag. You'll be good. There you go. Okay, so then let's tie that in. So ketchup. What are your thoughts about ketchup on macaroni? Uh, yeah, like almost like almost a must. Pretty darn close to a must. Like for sure. Wow. Uh oh. Uh oh. I feel. Oh, I lost somebody. I feel. I feel like he's just saying this just to like stir the pot. Nope, no pot stirring. Yeah, you got to put a little ketchup on your macaroni, a little, little like craft dinner or whatever. Or now the only context here is if you got a really like a quality mac and cheese, like a real good one, like at those expensive, you know, steakhouse restaurants, yeah. then you cannot do it. Yes. But the regular mac and cheese, yeah, throw it on there. <clears throat> you're lucky you're a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the podcast suddenly crumbling in front of no, me. Uh-oh. This is beautiful. This is, this is controversial stuff. And this you're is doing going great. off air. Suddenly there's not going to be aired anymore. No, this is, no, this is, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Beep. No, I'm just kidding. Um, think back to your playing days. Who's the greatest player or some of the greatest players you've played against or with? And I know you're like, I don't want to leave anyone out and whatever, but you know, is there anybody that stands out during your time? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the three. There, there's. Can I do three? Is that okay? It's your world. We're okay just living that? in it. All right. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. So the three for sure that I played with that are the highest level are are uh, Pasha Baines, who I mentioned already, uh, who who transferred to UBC later that next year, probably because he was so intimidated by my defense, he wanted to play with me. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, Kyle Russell, who was like the toughest, like I mean, guys, unbelievable, like just like the best, like not good basketball player you can imagine like he was just so good yeah. like so incredibly good although if a scout zombie like are you kidding me but he's just so good yeah uh, and then casey archibald mm-hmm. i think archie was just you know played the game at high level shot the thing so well super athletic so in terms of guys i played with those would be my big three i like it k russ what a dude yeah archie and i we we both randomly ended up at uh harrison hot springs for a weekend with our family so we we had a good beach day it was fun to catch up with him man he's such a good guy I love it. Yeah. Super good guy. Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, two more questions, my man. And, and thank you so much. This yeah. has been great. And I uh, really appreciate reconnecting with you. And uh, actually three more. Um, one, who's the most important person in your life has been or people. Man. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, again, it's your, Yeah, world. I mean, I, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a cliche answer, but I, I want to try and answer it. Not cliche, yep. you know, and I think like, like, Again, I, I've had a lot of pinch me moments with some pretty like, like I don't know, famous or or people that might normally be on that sort of list of people, you know, like like. Um, but but those aren't the answers for me. Mm-hmm. Like it truly like the most important people right now is like it's literally my family. You know, like like my two kids and my wife, like they're they just they matter more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn that to be dead honest with you guys. I didn't know that when I was younger, and I didn't know that when I was first married, and and it took me a while to actually figure that out. Um, but it was a really important lesson to learn, man, because it just makes life a lot better. Um, and it, it, they're just, they're everything to me. They really are. So it's, that's, it's them. Yeah. Good. Wife, you'll be happy with that. 
<laughs> I hope so. I feel that too, though, man. Yeah, you, you, we got a, our little guys turning four in November, and I, you know, just the process of getting to become a family and and getting there, and you just realize that home base is important. You know what I mean? And a lot of other things don't really matter as much as that, right? Yeah, for sure. Good stuff. Who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Oh boy. Um. Oh boy. Okay. Who? Who was your idol growing up? Who Who was your guy that you were like, I want to be like that guy? Yeah, I think it's I think the same answer. It's It's Michael. Okay, you know he 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 was he's definitely a guy I looked up to the most. You know, in my sort of younger years or whatever. Uh, and I think he's still the greatest man. He just he just he was so good. He really was so good. That last dance stuff was pretty fun to watch it all again and and sort of see some of the even more stories that I didn't know about. Um, He's, he's, pretty, he's pretty good. Yeah. Who was the UBC Dennis Rodman walking down the hallway with a Bud Light after a game? Was it like Tasic or what? <laughs> uh, probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> good call. Very good call. Um, we had some fun times after that. Yeah. <laughs> Last question, my brother. Uh, if you could do it all again, you would. Absolutely do it all again. Love it. What a wonderful. Oh, what else would I do? No, I, this is, I just, we just dangle this one That's out it? there Open-ended? and see where people take it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I would do it all again. Absolutely. It's been a really cool journey. It's been a really fun process. It's like, man, I get to know more people than I did. I mean, it's, it's, it's all about the people. I love that. I get to know more people than I did. I love that. Never heard that before. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Awesome, man. Like so respectful and thankful of your time. Um, before you go, I don't know if there's anybody else you want to shout out or just like anything. Um, and I know this will be a great episode. I know there'll be a bunch of guys out here on the West coast, but also hope that some people out East as well tune in and, and, um, even if they know their, your story, um, cause it's powerful and I think we can take a lot away. So. Yeah, no, just, just a thanks to you guys. I think, you know, I, I think that it's great to be doing this. I think telling people's stories is, is an amazing art form and, and you guys are doing a really good job at it. Um, and these are fun. You know, I think these are really good quality and if I can help you with, with, uh, other guests or, or anything in the future, I'm, I'm really happy to do so. And, you know, for those people listening that, you know, I think it's, um, it's, it's, it's basketball is really cool. You know, it's a really cool sport and take you a really lot of, a lot of fun places and, and just, just be passionate about it. Love it. Um, yeah, man, that's it. Couldn't have said it better. Corbs and I just love sitting back, reconnecting with people like yourself or getting to connect with people we maybe don't know well and just hearing how everybody's um, made their way through it. So we wish you nothing but the best. Go 905. You know, we'll be cheering from you for you. And, um, you know, next time you make it out west, make sure you tap in and say hi. And um, we wish you nothing but success. Enjoy that family time and keep coaching your ass off. And, uh, Blessings to you, buddy. Thank you so much for being with us. Appreciate it, guys. All the best. You guys are doing an amazing job. Thank you. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. Leave a comment. Uh, shout out to our, uh, what are they called, Corbin? Sponsors. It's been a long day. Good Lad Clothing and Parkside Brewery. And we will see you on the next episode.